everybody, this is Jake McGrail of CITR Sports Broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the unceded grounds of the Musqueam people. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9, and after nearly six months away, we are finally back. Our show will be different than usual for the foreseeable future, as the pandemic has forced the cancellation of nearly all varsity athletics for first semester and potentially for the whole year. Our shows will also be pre-recorded and done remotely due to health and safety restrictions put in place at the CITR studio. Despite this, we will be here every week this school year, and we have plenty of great ideas that we are working on. And for this week's show, Liz Wang spoke with Rocky Olfert, the Managing Director of Canada West, about the decision to cancel play, its effect on athletes and programs, and what the near future holds for the conference. Hi everyone, this is Liz Wan of CITR Sports, and with me today it's Mr. Rocky Olfert, the Managing Director of Canada West, and welcome Rocky. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, and first of all, can you briefly introduce yourself to our audience? Yeah, thank you. Um, Rocky Olfert, I work at the Canada West office. Uh, we work remotely, so I'm uh, just hunkered down into my, my home office right now. Um, you've been working for Canada West for, uh, for six years now uh, in various positions, but the last few years I've been in this role as a managing director, uh, serving our 17 member institutions across Western Canada. Thank you. And then as we all know that Canada West has canceled nearly all of its conference athletes uh, for the first semester due to the pandemic. First of all, can you tell us why this decision to cancel was made? Was there any like main reasons for this? Yeah, I could just take a step back, I guess. Um, you know, this goes back way uh, in March uh, for the 2019-20 season when we had a number of Canada West teams at our national championships and those championships were canceled in March. You know, we had teams that were there and, um, you know, because of the, uh, the fear of the pandemic and not really knowing what was going to happen, they canceled national championships at the end of last season. So that was really unfortunate, obviously, for all the teams involved and for the hosts. You know, when you think about hosting a national championship for the years of work that goes into that, and then to all of a sudden, uh, you know, a day prior to the competition starting, um, you know, those were canceled. So that was probably the first thing that started. And then, you know, you're thinking, well, you know, we can probably move on and hopefully by September we can resume normal, whatever that looks like. And, you know, this will be bias and an unfortunate thing of the past. Well, uh, you know, as, as you know, as we moved along here, we realized that uh, our health officials were taking this more serious than we probably thought, and uh, we need to do something within our own conference to, to look at this. And we started working with other conferences and with the youth sports office, and then within Canada West and our board of directors, we struck a, a task force. It was called a COVID task force, which was made up of uh, select uh, athletic directors, but also uh, health officials. Uh, doctors, medical officials, and there was three of them on that task force. And it was really through their recommendations, uh, you know, through their expertise that, uh, you know, that they said that it's probably in our best interest for athlete safety, uh, just given where things are going with this and not knowing a lot of uh, the long-term effects of this virus that we should cancel um, our fall sports. So our members met in, in, in June and uh, it was 17 members voted to cancel all our league sports. So that was football, soccer, rugby, and, uh, and field hockey. And um, with the exception of, of looking at perhaps our tournament sports, that being cross country, golf, and swimming. Uh, since then, they have 
chosen to push swimming back to after Christmas and to see if we can hold that championship in February. Uh, right now, golf is still being planned to be held in October. Um, but again, that's still, you know, as we learn more information, whether or not that's going to happen or not, um, we'll, we'll continue to work with our hosts and with our members on hosting a golf championship. Uh, and then cross country was canceled. So yeah, it was uh, unfortunate to cancel those league sports, you know, especially a big profile sport like football. Um, you mostly feel sorry for those, you know, those coaches and those student athletes who, you know, are working really hard and anticipating a season. And then, um, you know, it's, it's difficult. I mean, I really feel bad for all our members, our athletic directors to make those decisions. It's not something you ever imagined you thought you'd have to make is cancel a season. Um, so to cancel, you know, football, soccer, rugby, 15s, field hockey, that was, uh, that was, uh, that was a bit of a blow for sure. And then you just mentioned uh, the golf championship, right? And we we're wondering what kind of protocol or guidelines were there to, uh, to be put in place to protect the athletes and also to reduce the risk for them to being exposed to the virus? Yeah, so the, with the golf championship, I mean, we're working with Viasport. Viasport has a number of guidelines uh, that we need to be following. Uh, those guidelines are obviously directed from, from health officials and uh, provincial health authorities. Um, so the, the golf course in Kelowna where this would be hosted is also hosted a number of other tournaments, uh, championships prior to our tournaments. So we'd be following a lot of the same protocols if we do proceed with uh, this championship. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see if, if we can actually pull this off, just giving the, uh, you know, the concerns about travel, um, out of province travel, if other teams come from other provinces, if this can happen. Um, but I know UBC Okanagan, they hosted this championship last year. They are fully prepared to, uh, to make sure that it's safe for student athletes and for our coaches and for all participants. And if it's not, it's not going to happen. So it's as simple as that. So like I say, we continue to monitor this. We have a COVID task force meeting tomorrow where we'll discuss the golf championship. Our board has a meeting next week and we're just going to make a decision that's, that's best for our student athletes and for our coaches. And then for example, if there's like an exposure happens on the field or like um, being detected in any of the athletes, do you think that there's a chance that um, the, the golf tournament might be canceled due to that fact? Oh, for sure. I mean, everything's on the table, of course, when, when somebody gets impacted, right? So, I mean, if you look at uh, some of the other tournaments that have happened right now, those, those uh, what they do is just tracing to see where that golfer was and others that could be impacted and then um, you know, access to testing would obviously be very important to see if other individuals uh, were, were contacted. So I guess it would, it would um, have to factor in a lot of those scenarios if, um, if, if one of the golfers did, um, you know, test positive. So um, I'm sure that it will be monitored on a daily basis, um, you know, be very strict uh, policies and, and, and protocols that would need to be followed if we actually move ahead with this golf tournament. Uh, again, I'm still, you know, I'm hearing concerns about travel to this and, and hotel accommodations and, you know, food, all those things that kind of go along with, you know, when safety of, tra of traveling a team given the, the current situation we're in. So, uh, but yeah, it would, it would have to be a, a very in-depth uh, analysis if, if one athlete did test positive or our coach, for instance, right? So all those need to be factored for sure. Yeah. And as you said that, like, um, it, many other sports except for golf has been canceled and we're wondering that how does this well affect the scholarship and bursary for the athletes because we know that many of the athletes need to make financial plans based on these financial aids and are they still all in place for this year? 
Yeah, so it really has no impact on the financial um, scholarships for those student athletes. So uh, youth sports overseas eligibility and financial awards and uh, student athletes can still receive their scholarships um, from their institutions, um, even if they have a canceled season. So the student athletes can still be taken care of and looked after. Um, so none of that has changed even with a canceled season. So that's that's very important, obviously, because, you know, the student athletes need to be taken care of. Um, Everybody's just doing the best they can to try and get through this. Um, you know, institutions are doing their best to take care of the student athletes and 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 their entire student body for that matter. So, um, so yeah, from what I've heard, everything is going to be honored with with a council season for those student athletes. That's nice. And then um, another another factor that affects athletes a lot it's um, how does this come to, coming towards um, eligibility? Like if there's the sports that just do not play at all this year, do the athletes still lose a year of eligibility where they have a bonus year for them? Yeah, that's a good question. I think that's still being worked on with, with uh, youth sports who oversees that area. It's, it's not our office that makes those decisions. Um, you know, my understanding is though with, uh, with those sports that were canceled that you're not gonna lose a year. So you can, because your, your sport has been, has been canceled, um, you're not using a year of eligibility, so your year will just be extended. So it'll be up to student athletes to determine as they weigh their educational timelines and their their role as a student athlete, whether or not they want to extend um, their varsity commitments. Um, so yeah, if your sport is canceled, you, uh, you're not going to lose eligibility. You'll still maintain it and can carry that forward to an additional year. And how do you think this will affect the uh, scholarship numbers and roster sites for a school? For example, if you have a lot of fifth-year athletes who plays an extra year, but also you have these incoming first-year students in 2020, for example, next year. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be very interesting. I, I can't really comment for what the members are going to do. It's going to be really the onus is on those coaches and working with their athletic directors and associates to determine what, what their budgets are from a scholarship standpoint, but also roster-wise, how much room they have um, to know, okay, if you have a football roster, how many are you going to come back? Maybe they're ready to graduate and they want to move on, or maybe they want to come back and play their fifth year. So that'll be on the, you know, a lot of work that needs to be done with those coaches to, to, to decide, you know, what's best for their program and, and um, as they weigh their re potential recruits and, and graduating seniors, how that all works. So it's, it's not going to be easy. Uh, it's going to be a difficult process for sure for those coaches, especially for those large rosters like, like a football roster. But really for any sport, it's going to be a challenge. So right. we'll have to wait and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking for the school's programs, we know a lot of athlete departments across country are obviously also affected by the cancellations. And for example, the University of Alberta has recently put out of basketball, volleyball, and hockey for the full year, although they uh, resumed hockey like later on. But then what was your reaction to that? And do you think other university will face the same decision? I don't think so at this point that they're going to make the same decision. I mean, it's this could happen at any year. We've had uh, programs, they're allowed to cancel a, a program two weeks after our AGM, which is normally in May. So we have had programs in the past where um, as, as athletic directors review their budgets with their vice presidents and, and really try to weigh what's, what's best for their programs, sometimes they need to make those difficult decisions and cancel a program. You know, in the case of Alberta, I think that was also the case. Obviously, when you factor in some of the economies of the Alberta uh, infrastructure and uh, the tightening of the government uh, with with budgets uh, that and then the COVID impact of, of not having students on campus perhaps and 
not being able to collect student fees, which perhaps would fund programs. You know, when you look at loss of revenues, really for all our programs, but in this case with Alberta, and just not being able to do your normal fundraising events like you would be able to do in the past. I guess to answer your question, no, it wasn't really a surprise. I know, um, you know, we, we remain in close uh, communication with all of our members and, um, you know, we do our best to support them and, and they need to do, you know, make those decisions that are best for their programs overall, not only for this year, but for the long-term um, stability of their program. So yeah, it was difficult to hear, but um, we're, we're confident they'll be back for the 21-22 season in all their sports. Right, and we're wondering how is Canada West coordinating with all these different schools to manage this um, unusual situation right now? And then like specifically, what are you working on right now? Yeah, so like I said, we have this COVID task force where we um, we meet, uh, I mean, it's with summertime, we've, we haven't probably met now in a few weeks, but like I said, we have a meeting tomorrow. And just based on, and, and that has representation from every province. Uh, so we're across four provinces, obviously with Canada West, and that allows us to get um, an understanding of how each province is doing with the COVID. And then from that, uh, we do our best to make recommendations for all our members. We communicate that to our members on a regular basis. Uh, we have a meeting with all of our members on October 8th, where we'll have a chance just to, to connect with everyone as a whole. Um, our board has been meeting on, our, on a regular basis throughout the summer. And uh, I, again, with the best interest of mind of all our members to, to do what's, what's best for our conference um, in the short term, but also in the long term. So. There's constant dialogue with all of our members. Um, you know, they can reach us anytime throughout the summer now into the fall, obviously. So we're all in this together. It's, um, it's something where it's, it's really brought us closer as a conference and as a membership uh, that really support each other and help each other out, listen to each other, understand kind of what best practices we can do uh, to support our student athletes. Cause that's really what it's all about is, is giving our student athletes the best experience of the, that we can. So um, while it's been very difficult, it's also been encouraging to see us work together as a conference. Yeah, and then you just mentioned student athletes, and we're wondering, are there any plans in place for the athletes who will be on campus or at least near campus, and then will they still be able to use their facility and to practice or organize exhibition games against other teams? Yeah, that's going to vary from province to province and from each institution to determine that. As a conference and as a membership, um, you know, there was a one time we we had a, a policy in place where there would be no practices throughout the summer um, until September 1st. Uh, but since we canceled football and soccer, there was now allowed, members were allowed to do practices with those sports that were canceled, um, assuming they were still following all the health guidelines and institutional protocols on their campuses. So I'm sure it's, uh, you know, to answer your question, it's going to vary from campus to campus, what's going to be allowed and what, what's the coach's accessibility through this time. Some institutions have full-time coaches, some have only part-time coaches. So there's a number of factors that would probably um, impact, you, you know, your answer. Uh, I know for the most part though, like coaches are doing the best they can to keep student athletes engaged. If they can get them on campus, I know that probably be preferred, but some campuses aren't open. So that's not even a possibility. So it's, it varies from province to province and institution to institution, how that's going to look. And I think for a lot of the student athletes out there, um, the main question is, um, is there going to be a return to play game? For example, if the Gulch Gulf Championship is going to be an excess and um, success, well, what, what will that have an impact on the decision to stage other sports? Yeah, I think we're working actually with our medical committee. So we also have uh, working with our athletic therapists who are really our medical leads for our varsity departments. We actually need to work on um, 
probably modifying what our exhibition ex and scrimmages may look like this fall and then through the winter, just giving you know the uh, the environment that we're in, and that's being looked at by our public task force tomorrow. So um, we just still need to do some work on on what that could look like because yes, there's going to be maybe the opportunity to perhaps play like say uh, a Calgary versus a Mount Royal or a UBC versus a Trinity Western or University of Victoria where you're you're playing against teams in your own province that are in close proximity to you. But we still need to know what that looks like, what kind of health risks there are, uh, what kind of testing protocol there, are, there are, would be in place, um, understanding what the universities would allow. So there's there's a number of layers that would need to be worked through before we can, you know, just see what the exhibition, you know, opportunities might look like. So again, we'll continue to work with athletic directors on that front. Right. And then um, as many universities are still making their decision on whether to offer in-person classes for the next semester or not. And what is the current outlook for the second semester in terms of the Canada West League game to be look like? Do you know like when there will be a decision to be made to see what is the plan for the second semester? Yeah, so our, our, our decision-making process for our members will take place on October 8th. And that'll really determine the fate of, of our sports like hockey, volleyball, basketball, our tournament sports like wrestling, track and field. Um, I mentioned swimming earlier. That's been moved now till, till after into January, February. So um, so that's one aspect. It'll be also interesting to know what youth sports decide with those national championships, whether or not there's going to be national championships and what impact they may have on our own conference schedules as well. So. And then student athletes will want to weigh whether or not they want to use eligibility if there is a shortened season. So there's there's a lot of number of factors to also um, consider. But uh, to answer your question, members will decide on October 8th what's going to happen with those sports. Okay, I see. And then um, what if there is a return to play? Uh, what will that be look like in terms of like fan management, travel, and student housing? Yeah, so the the task force, task force has created a document that really outlines a number of factors that need to be in play. Um, each member needs to create really a, a, a document where you'd be submitted to our office just to show here's here's the protocol that we in place. Here's what we're doing to make sure it's going to be safe. You know, it's, we need to be working with our officials to make sure that they're that they're they're in a safe environment as well. Um, you know, there likely won't be any fans at this point unless things change. So I, I can't imagine that uh, being the case. So number number of things that we've already created that would need to be completed for us to really engage in, in a full uh, full on competition. Um, so that's all in the, in the works right now. And then with the possibility that the, major, the majority of the conference athletes will be canceled for the whole year, do you have a message for the athletes who are seeing their youth sports career being interrupted in this way? Well, I just feel bad for student athletes. I mean, this is why we do our work is, is really for them to, to give them the best experience that they can while they're going to university. Um, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate time for everyone. And uh, I know that athletic directors that I work with, they care, they care for you and they, they want what's best for you. And so, like I said, when they canceled the seasons, it was the last thing they wanted to do. But, you know, they, they did it so that, uh, that our student athletes could be safe. So, um, I guess time will tell in a few years from now when we reflect back on this, whether or not it was the right decision. I think it was the right decision because, you know, knowing what we know and what our medical people know, we're really relying on them and what they're telling us. And so, um, 
you know, keep her head up, keep working hard, keep training. We're going to get through this. Uh, we're looking forward to um, getting back to a new normal whenever that is, but hopefully by, uh, hopefully be here sooner than, than we, than we anticipate. So, um, but yeah, all in all, we're just trying to do what's best for our student athletes. That's what we're all about. Thank you for the message. And that was our last question. Is there anything else you want to, you want to touch on? No, just uh, thank you so much for, for reaching out. Like I said, our membership has really been working hard and working together and, we're all doing our best to try and get through this with the information that we have. So there's there's a lot of layers to every decision-making process from provincial, national, institutional decisions, right? So uh, when you when you factor that in with uh, you know our conference, it's, it's, it's pretty, it gets a little complicated, but everyone's doing the best they can. So thank you for the opportunity. Great, thank you so much for joining us today. And then we were really hoping to see Canada West game being resumed soon. So do I. Thank you. Again, that was Rocky Olfert, the Managing Director of Canada West. A big thank you to him for coming on the show. We will now take a quick break for ads and PSAs before rounding up the Thunderbirds News of the Week and debuting a new segment where we look at a Thunderbird great from the past. To prevent the spread of coronavirus 2019, or COVID-19, social distancing and self-isolation measures have been recommended. What is social distancing? Social distancing includes, but is not limited to, discussing the possibility of working from home, avoiding visits to long-term care homes, retirement homes, supportive housing, hospices, and other congregate care settings unless the visit is absolutely essential, avoiding non-essential trips in the community, Keeping the windows down if you have to go into the community for an essential trip via taxi or rideshare. Limiting or cancelling group gatherings. Spending time outside and in settings where people can maintain one to two meters or three to six feet of distance from each other. These guidelines are not meant to say you must stay in your home. You can still go outside and take a walk, go to the park, or walk your dog. If you need groceries, go to the store. It is simply recommended that while outside, you make sure to avoid crowds and maintain a distance from those around you. Do you like laughing, hilarity, radical thought-provoking creativity, and laughing? UBC Improv is UBC's home for improvisational comedy, theater made up on the spot. Like us on Facebook to learn when our next shows are. Search for us on YouTube for our film sketches. And follow us on Twitter because we want the followers. UBC Improv. Insert cheesy slogan here. Let's get it on. Welcome back. You're listening to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 11.9, and though there are no sports in action, we do have a few pieces of news to share with you. So here is Byron Wang with the Thunderbirds News of the Week. So starting off Thunderbird News of the Week, a very familiar name in Thunderbirds Volleyball, Matt Neves, has recently been accepted into Canada's National Excellence Program. He'll be training with the top male volleyball players in Canada in Gatineau, Quebec from September all the way till December in preparation for the exciting 2024 Olympic Games in Paris. Having only been on the team for two years, Neves was named to the Canada West's All-Rookie Team his first season 
and was a first-team Canada West All-Star and a second-team U Sports All-Canadian last season. So here's hoping he can achieve some great things in his time at Quebec, and it'll be nice to see that Canadian flag on his uniform. And continuing with the exciting news, former Thunderbird football player Dakota Shepley, an offensive lineman who played with the T-Birds between 2013 and 2017, has recently signed a one-year deal with the National Football League San Francisco 49ers and was waived from the 49ers' first team in order to be signed to the practice squad. During his time at UBC, Shepley appeared in six playoff contests and 32 Canada West regular season games, helping the team win the Vanier Cup back in 2015. And last but not least, Jarrett Smith, the former T-Birds men's hockey team captain from Surrey, BC, has signed a contract to begin his pro career in France with Le Duc d'Angers in Ligue Magnus. Coming up on his graduation from the UBC Sauter School of Business, Smith was named to the Canada West All-Rookie Team in the 2016-2017 season and to a second-team conference All-Star in the 2018-2019 season. Over his UBC career, Smith collected 68 points and 20 goals over 109 Canada West regular season games, and coming with Smith to France are his teammates Riley Gwenther and Neil Manning. Best luck to these T-Bird athletes in France. And that will wrap up the news of the week. Finally, before we go, Corey Branson is here to debut a new regular segment. Take it away, Corey. Thank you, Jake, and hello, everybody. It's a pleasure to be back on the airwaves again. As our fearless leader mentioned, today I'm introducing a new segment called Thunderbird Alum of the Week. Each show will profile one former UBC sports person, focusing on their athletic exploits both on campus and out in the world. We won't restrict ourselves to a certain time period, so you'll hear us cover folks from the 1910s all the way up to the 2010s, making an effort to find athletes with interesting stories. This week, as we transition from summer to winter sessions here on campus, we thought it would be fitting to profile Thunderbird alum Sue Holloway, the first Canadian and first woman to compete in both a winter and summer Olympics in the same year. In 1976, she first competed in cross-country skiing in Innsbruck before trading her poles for a paddle and entering the sprint kayak event in Montreal. Holloway, an Ottawa native originally, didn't actually move to Vancouver until after the Montreal Games, and when she did, she enrolled at SFU. She decided to drop cross-country skiing in favor of focusing solely on her kayaking, and SFU's proximity to Burnaby Lake made sense with those ambitions in mind. After a fifth-place finish in K1 at the World Championships in Duisburg, Germany, Holloway was selected to be the Canadian flag-bearer at the 1980 Olympiad. Unfortunately, those Olympics held in Moscow were boycotted by the Canadian contingent, a heart-wrenching experience for Holloway. Still, she didn't give up on her aspirations, and following the COC's decision, she transferred to UBC. There, she continued to paddle, joined the varsity track and swim programs for some extra exercise, and finished her degree in 1983. She was finally given a chance to compete in the Olympics once more in 1984 in Los Angeles, where she won two medals, a silver in the K2 500-meter sprint and a bronze in the K4 of the same distance. Holloway retired following those games, but these days she still coaches cross-country skiing and dragon boating back in Ottawa. Her legacy is preserved at UBC, being one of only four Thunderbirds to win multiple medals in a single Olympic Games. 
And with that, thank you for tuning in to Thunderbird Eye on CITR 101.9. Besides listening to the show, the best way to keep up to date with UBC Thunderbirds news is to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at CITR Sports. For Thunderbird Eye, this has been Jake McGrail, Liz Wang, Corey Branson, and Byron Wang. Thank you for tuning in, and have a great rest of your day.